This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 124 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Equestrian Collections and Horseshow.com. Hello, Chris Stafford, back with you for another episode of the Dressage Radio Show, coming to you from a sunny Lexington, Kentucky. I don't know about you, but I really love that theme tune. I edit this show every week, and I never get tired of that theme tune. I hope you like it too. And on this week's show, we're going to be focusing on the Canadian team's preparation for the Pan American Games, which is looming upon us fast here. It'll be happening in just a couple of weeks in Guadalajara, Mexico. We'll be bringing you reports from there, of course. But meantime, the teams are getting into their final preparation here. The Canadian team are gathered in New Jersey at training camp. So that's an opportunity for us to catch up with Gina Smith, their chef to keep. And also we're going to be getting another tip from the professional equine grooms that are all over the country and, in fact, all over the world because Live Good has found another one for us this week. We're going to hear a little bit later on from Paula Walker. And we're also going to begin a series of extracts from the books of Paul Belasic. And some of you have noted how you enjoyed those extracts. And, in fact, there were some nice comments on Facebook, too, about Paul Belasic being on the show. So we're going to begin with an extract from the Search for Collection. But first of all, I want to remind you, uh, before we go any further, about one of our valued sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show that make this show possible every week. We wouldn't be here without our valued sponsors. And as the full season is upon us, now it's time to start thinking about your horse's blanket again. Perhaps it's time for a new one. Well, Equestrian Collections has an extensive range of blankets for all weather conditions, from the popular horsewear choices of Amigo, Rhino and Rambo models for turning out. When it gets colder, your horse will be ready with a brand new blanket from Equestrian Collections. And if you use coupon code HRN at the checkout, you'll get $10 off your next order of $100 or more. Equestrian Collections is a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. Please visit them at equestriancollections.com. Well, before we get to my first guest this week, Gina Smith, I do want to just bring you up to date with a little bit of news. Of course, those of you in the States may have been following Dressage at Devon, which took place just last week, and that was a very full program, as usual, up there in Pennsylvania. And I think they had some pretty mixed weather, too, to contend with. But the shining star was Adrian Lyle. She scored a doubleheader with Wizard. There are lots more winners, of course, both in the performance and the breeding classes up there at Dressage at Devon. And uh, I will put a link on the website there for Dressage at Devon so you can get all of the results there. And I do want to mention on a very sad note, uh, you may recall just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, the national championships in England took place and Maria Alberg retired her longtime partner, Two Socks. Well, tragically, just the other day, Two Socks had to be euthanized after a tragic accident in the paddock so soon after his retirement. And you may remember that Maria had a wonderful career with him, including a team silver medal at the European Championships in 2009 and 
and just last year a team silver at the World Equestrian Games. So a very, very sad time for the Eilberg family, of course, as you all know, our horses are not just, you know, our partners, they are very, very valued member of the family. So I know he was a special horse to the Eilberg family, so uh, our condolences to them, very, very sad. Well, those of you on this side of the pond will know that we're getting closer to the Pan American Games, which takes place in Guadalajara, Mexico, from the 11th to the 21st. The dressage itself actually runs from the 16th through the 19th. And the Canadian team are now in final team training in New Jersey, preparing for the Games. Well, I'm joined now by Gina Smith, who is the chef to keep for the Canadian team. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you very much, Chris. It's a pleasure to, to meet you and to be a part of the show. Well, it is coming down to crunch time now, isn't it? You're all in training there for the final preparation for that trip to Mexico. Um, I mean, obviously an exciting time for you. You're flying solo for the first time as the big boss now. You are the chef now, having done your apprenticeship, right? That's right. I did an apprenticeship last year at the World Championships together with Gwen, Gwen Rook and it was um, a great experience to be part of that and Gwen has certainly done so many chef jobs for the Canadian team so to really learn from her was wonderful and now I am flying solo for this time round so uh, it's a great experience and I feel well prepared to help the team get to, to where we want to go. Well very exciting obviously great expectations I'm sure on the Canadian team. Now let's talk about your team Gina because you've got some newbies there for the team. You've got Diana Creech, of course Tom Vorak, Tina Irwin and Crystal Crutch and your first alternate Roberta Bing Morris. Uh, let's talk about each of them and the horses that they're going to be riding. Take us through that list. Well, Diane Creech and Tom Dvorak have been on the team before. They were on our team on the last Pan American Games in Rio in Brazil. So they are the ones that are sort of leading us on as, as far as the, um, you know, the history goes. So we're looking towards them to be the top competitors for us. Um, Diane Creech has a lovely young horse, Robbie W., and he's a lovely gray horse and has been doing beautifully. He had um, the first trials that we had. He was um, right at the front runner, and he's been so consistent um, in the 70s with his scoring so that we're really looking forward to having them you know, lead our team. Um, the second trial, he had a bit of a problem. He knocked himself in the warm-up, and she was unable to compete, but he's back working beautifully now and um, fully expect him to be in full force right, right for the games. Um, he's just one of our most lovely, lovely horses that we have, owned by um, Doug and Louise Leatherdale, which is great supporters for Diane, and we're really looking forward to seeing this horse go at the games. Tom Dvorak is, again, another rider that we have that is um, in the history of our, our sport in Canada. He's been really on top with um, constantly in the FEI levels, and it's great to have that depth um, together with Diane for our team. He's got a, a beautiful stallion, a chestnut stallion called Viva Salieri, owned by Augustine Walsh, and he's just um, a joy to watch and, again, very consistent at the pre-St. George Intermediate One level, which is so important for, for this for this games. He has um, just the expression and everything that it takes to look just, just fantastic when he comes down the center line and, um, again, being such... A constant, consistent competitor. We really look forward to having him uh, on our team and be part of the, the effort to make a medal. 
And, we and the newcomers. Well, we should you mention just where they're from, Gina? Of course, uh, Diana is from Case to Centre in Ontario, and uh, and Tom from Hillsburg, Ontario, and Tina too. Tina Irwin, you're going to mention because she's from yep. St- Stouffville, mm-hmm. is it, Ontario? Stouffville. Yes, that that's right. It? That's right. Those are on. on Ontario based Oval, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, very, you know, close to the Toronto area. So these um, two riders and as well as Tina have been, you know, really know each other, been competing um, together at the at the local shows. So they they really know each other. Tina Irwin um, is part of the team. She has a, a lovely big uh, dark bay horse called Winston and um, he's owned by Mary Ellen Horgan who has uh, just been a great supporter of, of Tina's. And, and Tina just last May had, um, actually it was April, she had a baby boy. So she's just recovered from that and has gotten back into shape and is, is again, at the top of her game for, for the um, trials and to make the team. And, again, a, a really top horse, again, with scores in the 70s. So um, we really feel we have those those three riders just being, you know, it's, excellent for the team. You you want those team horses. You want the ones that can go down the center line and produce it every single time. Um, Absolutely. Tina and her husband Jamie have a Tina and her husband Jamie have a place in uh, Stovall, Ontario where they are training and, and riding all the time so Tina's here at training camp with her with her baby and um, doing really well and being again away from her husband but, but that's what it takes and, and, and he's going to be able to come down to the games to be part of it as well. So, um, the fourth member on our team is um, from Alberta, um, Calgary, near Calgary, Cochrane, Alberta, and she's traveled across the country. It's Crystal Croach, and she has a, a beautiful bay horse called Limericks. And she traveled across the country after making the qualifications to be able to go into the trials, and again has been very consistent and just getting better and better all the time. She is a newcomer to the team, but she has a huge amount of experience with um, several horses at um, the international FEI level. So, again, another good, consistent, strong competitor. Um, she has m- molded in well with the rest of the riders, not really knowing them very well because she's from Alberta. It doesn't get a chance to compete with everybody um, on, on the same grounds, but... Um, was here and um, is just getting to know everybody and just really being a pleasure to work with. So that's a she owns her own it? horse. Yeah, as you said, from Calgary, she's got to cross the country. It's almost harder for those, isn't it, that are a little away from the home oh, yeah. of the sport. Not much more traveling involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Canada is such a big country and we have top competitors on the West Coast as well as in the east and it's it's so hard to get everybody together all the time so to be able to come together at a training camp where we're usually competing against one another we're always never having much chance to have um, a team competition where we have to compete together with one another so to be able to have a 15-day training camp before we fly to Mexico is, is great for the team it's great to get everybody together and to really be part of the team situation where, you know, that's, that's our goal is the pre-St. George to have a, a medal um, at the Pan American Games. So to be able to, to build the team is great. We have a, a wonderful reserve rider as well with us. Um, Roberta Bing Morris has her horse Reiki time here. She owns um, her own horse and she's been improving, getting better and better and, and really enjoying the atmosphere, really enjoying the help from our 
technical leader, uh, Marcus Gribba, who is here from, from Germany, also at camp, to, to help us. Um, arriving today, we have our team veterinarian, Dr. Alan Manning, who can you know do the last-minute touches on the horses, make sure we're very well presented for the jog. We do practice um, the jog, the trot-up for the um, um, judges, so that's something that we, we also look after here. And the facility that we're at in Newburgh, New York, is very close to the airport from where we fly, and it's owned by Diana and Michael Maglia, and it's just been fantastic. They have just done everything possible to make us comfortable and to help us with any of the needs that we've required for the horses, and it's been a beautiful facility to work at, an indoor arena, an outdoor ring. Uh, Just yesterday, we had a dress rehearsal. We had... One of the judges from Canada fly in, an FEI judge, Lorraine McDonald, flew in and did a mock um, show. We set up everything with all the flowers and fences and everything, and it was great to have this uh, dress rehearsal. So everybody's getting more and more down to the line, feeling very prepared to, to go into the games. Well, we should mention those horse, the horses you talked about that are on the, on the team then, because I know people are curious well, what about their breeding. And uh, Tom is riding a, an Hanoverian stallion, as you mentioned, a stallion, and he's Hanoverian. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Diana yep. is riding an Oldenburg Gelding by Reuben Royal. And Tina is on yep. Winston, as you mentioned. He's a Dutch warm blood, 14 years old, Dutch warm blood, and mm-hmm. Crystal has a Hanoverian gelding, a 10-year-old Hanoverian gelding. And uh, and then, uh, of course, Roberta has a Hanoverian gelding, 12-year-old Hanoverian gelding. People are always, I think, curious. So he's by Royal Diamond, of course, famous uh, sire. People are always curious, you know, how, yeah. they're, how they're bred. And we like to give credit to the owners, which you've done too, because it is very much a team effort. Isn't it? It's all about that support, the owners, the breeders, everybody, the families. Everyone has to rally around at a time when the team come together and, and want to give their best performance. And as you said, there's family sacrifices too. Um, you, you mentioned Tina, of course, having to leave her husband behind. But all the family rallies around, doesn't it? And everybody supports the team in, in these efforts. Oh, absolutely. And you just can really feel the support, the support coming from the families, the owners. Um, certainly, we also have a lot of report uh, support remotely from Equine Canada office. Christine Peters works very hard in the office to do so much of the logistical work that, that is required. Um, our chef de mission for the equestrian is Carrie McGregor, and she's also just constantly you know, working and getting emails and making sure we've got the proper feeds and all the security issues, everything that, that is entailed with going to a major games like this, the transportation. We're, we're flying together with the American dressage team and, and a few others, and it's, it's, the logistics are just incredible when you think of taking horses and equipment and you know, into different countries that have different requirements as far as veterinary work and the paperwork goes and the requirements of, of what you can and cannot take in your trunks and the weights. And it's, it's incredible the amount that goes, of work that goes behind the scenes. And it's been a great experience for me. I certainly, as a team member, have, have been part of the teams before, but knowing just all the logistical work behind the scenes that goes on it's um, it's uh, in- incredible what we have to do for these horses. And, you know, we do that in order to make it easier for the riders so they can really focus on their work and their job to just get those horses down the center lines and do the best job they can possibly do. And it really is like a military operation, isn't it, as you said, putting all those pieces together? Mm-hmm. And 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're in, in final team training. Then when actually do you leave New Jersey? When do you all fly out to Mexico, Gina? Well, the riders and our technical leader, Marcus Griba, will fly on Monday the 10th, and the horses leave on Tuesday the 11th. So um, we will leave a little bit earlier so we can get some things arranged and make sure the stables are set up. And the grooms will fly with the horses as well as our veterinarian, Dr. Alan Manning. Um, again, they're, they're flying with the team horses from USA and their veterinarian as well. So they'll be very well taken care of on the flight. They leave from Newburgh, New York. They have a touchdown in Dallas, Texas for refueling and then fly on to Guadalajara from there. So uh, we expect them to arrive on Tuesday. And then we have a day or so, and we'll get our team clothing from the um, Canadian Olympic Committee right at the site in Guadalajara. And then the next day will be our um, opening ceremonies, and we have the jog, and then on to the game. So it's, it all gets seems to be going pretty quickly once we get there. Well, it certainly is an exciting time for you, but I have to ask you what your expectations are when you get there because uh, the pressure's building up now, and I know that the team is going to be uh, to beat is going to be the USA. So, what are your realistic expectations, Gina? Well, historically, Canada has medaled, so we certainly look to have a medal of some color. We do need a medal of some color in order to qualify for the Olympic Games, so the pressure is really on for the riders. And I, I know that the U.S. team is extremely strong, very strong riders, very top, top horses. So we are you know, going to try our best to get the gold medal, but we could certainly settle for a silver or bronze. Certainly silver is, is within our reach. Um, looking at the other teams, they seem to have very top horses, um, but maybe the second or third horses that they have coming into the games are not as top as our team, four team of four top horses. So we're hoping that with our four top scores close to the 70s or in the 70s that we'll be able to capture a medal. Wow. And of course, Tom, Tom Vorak has actually done a Pan American Games, didn't he? 2007. He was part of the uh, team yes, absolutely. Silver, medal, silver medal team there in Rio. Yep, and Diane as well. Mm-hmm. Diane, Diane was part of that team as well. Part so. of that team as well. Yep. And so, so with that kind of experience, it obviously helps the the rest of the team that are making it there for the first time, and uh, the Americans are in a similar situation, of course. Yes, absolutely, and it's it's to have that type of experience and confidence going down um, the center line for those tests that it really helps the others to watch. Um, the way we set up the the team that we can, you know, get the riders in the proper position so that they can mentally be very well prepared. You can choose which riders go when. You don't have to um, um, just sort of take the draw of the riders and how they do it in the in the test. You can, you know, get your best riders to the end or your best riders in the beginning or in the middle, whatever you want for your strategy so that everybody can feel like they're going to do the best job they can possibly do. And that, that's part of the team strategy that the team leader and myself have to sort of look at and sit with the riders and say, okay, how do we want to do this? Who goes first into the test and who sort of sets the stage for what we're going to do? And then, and then who, you know, carries on and then who is our sort of the, the clinching rider at the end that's going to clinch the deal for us. So, um, you know, we have to look at all the riders and the horses and see who could handle the pressure and, and you know, take it from there. And I hope they'll forgive me for, for for mentioning that they are all 
um, apart from Tina, they're all over 40. <laughs> they're all well, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well seasoned riders. Yes, for sure. And, and really fit riders. I must say they're all very fit, um, have, you know, ridden many, many horses and very top team. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to being part of part of this situation down in Guadalajara and and yes they are they are would you call it aging but um, very fit people so good good well (laughs) a very best of luck to you Gina and your team it'll be a very exciting uh, obviously trip down to Mexico it's all it's always so much fun to be part of a team isn't it and and in your role as chef you obviously enjoy that kind of pressure and pulling everything together having been there done it yourself Yes, I do enjoy that. I enjoy the excitement of seeing everybody work together and, um, you know, trying to sort of keep everybody together as a team and on an even keel. And it's it's very, very interesting, very fun, and I really look forward to being part of it. Well, the very best of luck on, as you said, important qualifications for London 2012 as well. I hope you get the medal that you'd hoped for and you have a very safe trip. Thank you so much for joining us, Gina. Good luck. Thank you very much, Chris. And we will, of course, be following the fortunes of those teams at the Pan American Games here on the Dressage Radio Show. Well, if you're not able to travel too much to competitions, there is one way that you can actually participate by staying at home, and that is with Horseshow.com. One of those competitions online now is the Fall Dressage Festival, which has opened its entries for the U.S. Equestrian Federation tests from training through fourth level, tests one to three for all levels at horseshow.com, and they're all judged by Natalie Lamping, an FEII and USEFS licensed judge. All you have to do is submit your home video to enter a class and receive a confidential scorecard with marks and comments from the judge for each movement in the test that only you can view. It's as easy as that. And as I said, you don't have to leave home. You can enter any time by visiting the website at horseshow.com and following the link to the Fall Dressage Festival. Well, up next on the show, our new highlighted upcoming events segment. The Deep South Dressage and Combined Training Association will be hosting the Great American Insurance USDF Region 3 Dressage Championships on October 14th through 16th at Hits Post Time Farm in Ocala, Florida. Please visit these regional championships to witness the outstanding efforts of top riders competing in their respective classes. These competitors have earned their right to be here by qualifying throughout the year at USDF-recognized competitions. Not only will dressage be represented at its best, but also many special events will be hosted during the championships as well. Enjoy a demonstration in trigonometry and see a Western reigning demonstration. Watch sheepdogs at work and visit the world-renowned equine rehab facility at Kesmark for a wine and cheese gathering. Try an educational ride on the first ever equine simulator. These are just a few of the events happening at the Region 3 Championships in Ocala. Log on to dsdcta.org for a full, exciting schedule. Get all your equine needs at a convenient one-stop shopping experience in the vendor row. The management team and many dedicated volunteers have been hard at work to make this a successful event for everyone. 
The competition judges include Kathleen Barboza, Paula Lacey, Natalie Lampin, Beverly Rogers, Marlene Schneider, William Solinitz, and Janet Foy. Mark your calendar for October 14th through 16th and enjoy a warm welcome at Hits Post Time Farm in Ocala, Florida for this fun-filled event. And log on to dsdcta.org for more information regarding the Region 3 Championships. And if you would like your show, your clinic or your dressage happening to be included here on our highlighted upcoming events, just send me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com for more information. That's C-H-R-I-S, chris at horseradionetwork.com for more information on this segment. Well, as you will know, if you're a regular listener to any of my shows, one of the most popular segments is the tips that we carry. And we we now have a a whole load of tips that are coming to us from grooms around not just the country, but around the world. Well, I'm joined now by Paula Walker from my Inoma, Oklahoma, who is a groom in dressage. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the show. Hi. Nice to have you on the show. And I know that uh, you are a supporter of the professional equine grooms, Live Good told us that you have all kinds of tips and uh, as, you, as I said you work in uh, dressage so I'm sure you've got all kinds of tics, tips and tricks up your sleeves but what have you got for us this week? Well my favorite one is to use an acne medication that most people are aware of if they have that problem otherwise they're totally unaware of it. It's called benzoyl peroxide and it comes in soap form and what I have is a bar uh, and it's excellent for white areas, for white tails, white manes, white stockings. If you've got a pinto or a paint, it'd be excellent for the white areas on a paint horse. Um, and it, um, um, I think it probably oxygenates uh, better than most soaps. It has an oxygenating agent in it. Um, and it really, really works well on the wide areas. Uh, and if, if you don't have access to that, my next best favorite thing is to use OxyClean that you use in your laundry. Um, you just mix that up. It usually comes in a granular form, and I mix that with hot water and put that in the water with my soap. And it, uh, it also has an oxygenating action that... Uh, is very good at whitening as well. Um, so that's my that's my favorite my favorite two tips, I guess. Um, I discovered that by using benzoyl peroxide when I was a vet tech for 27 years in surgical prep. I would use benzoyl peroxide on the surgical prep area, and a lot of times that area would be white, and I just happened to notice how clean it got the white areas. And so I, I just kind of stumbled upon that. And um, it, uh, it works very well. It's not something you can use often or it will dry, it will dry things out too much. But before a show, a couple of weeks before the show, I use it once a week. I did wonder about that, if it would have a drawing effect on it. So where would you get the benzoyl uh, peroxide then? Yes, Paula? yes. It's it's available at a pharmacy uh, or at probably Walmart, for instance, in the pharmaceutical uh, section. You don't have to have a prescription for it, but it's in the acne section of the uh, pharmacy section of most stores. Um, 
And it comes in a lot of creams and other forms, but the only form that I work with is the, the bar of soap. Terrific. Well, what a great tip there to get your white parts even whiter. Well, Paul, yeah. thank you for that. Benzoyl peroxide or OxyClean are two grooming tips. No one knows better than the grooms how to, <laughs> how to get their horses super, super clean. Well, thank you very much for that, Paula, and I hope you'll come You're very welcome. share more of your grooming tips with us here on the Horse Radio Network. Sure, absolutely. Well, my thanks again to Liv Good at the Professional Equine Grooms for finding us these grooms and these useful little tips that we're sharing with you. And there will be a link, of course, on our show notes to the Professional Equine Grooms website too. And speaking of tips, I got an email from uh, Marie Ann Hendry. She wrote to me saying she very much enjoys the shows and loves to hear the latest news, but she wishes that we could include more practical tips and advice on common problems She says, of course, I don't know the makeup of your audience, but I suspect there are a number of people like me who are interested in the show world, but because of work responsibilities, experience, finances, etc., don't show, but still take our writing seriously. Anyway, love your shows, Marie, and thank you very much for writing, and I know the tips are very popular. And not only are we going to share you tips from the uh, from the professional equine grooms, as I said, but also uh, I know the tips from the riders are very popular too. So that I will keep in mind as I produce these shows every week. And if you have any suggestions or requests on uh, who you would like to hear from to bring you some tips here on the Dressage Radio Show, then all you have to do is drop me a line to chris at horseradionetwork.com or you can post your comments too on Facebook, which a lot of people do. Well, we're coming now to something which is another segment which I know is popular with you because I've had uh, nice emails from people saying how much they enjoy the readings and extracts from different books and quotes from the old books as well. So we're going to start now a series of extracts from Paul Belasic's book. You remember Paul Belasic was a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago and I had some nice responses too about his appearance on the show. And those of you who know Paul Belasic will know that he's written quite a few books. So over the coming months, I will be bringing you some selected highlights from those titles. The earliest horseman realized that whoever controls the head and neck of the horse controls the horse. Therefore, one of their first inventions was the bit. This became a central theme in riding that has lasted to the present day. In most horse-human activities and equestrian sports, the greatest attention is on controlling the mouth and neck of the horse. The range of equipment that is employed in trying to do this speaks for itself. Martingales, draw reins, sliding reins, bitting rigs and every imaginable bit and hackamore, even some devices and techniques that are better not imagined. History, of course, repeats itself. In the current climate, the battle around the practice of roll cur is a mirror of the vitriolic argument highlighted by Seegers and Steinbrecht's caustic comments on the neck and jaw manipulations of Belcher in the mid-19th century. The obsession repeats itself, as someone will always be looking for a shortcut around the slow, progressive work of learning collection. Most of the obsessions rooted in trying to control the horse with a bit come from a simple physical problem, The horse has a far greater mass than the horseman. A human can walk up to a soccer ball and kick it, and because of the human's superior inertia, the ball moves. By applying force, the human displaces the ball because it has less inertia. 
However, there is no way a human can, by kicking a horse, physically apply enough force to displace the horse's inertia. In general, whether we are talking about mechanics for engineering and physics or biomechanical forces on bodies or systems, they can be separated as external or internal. In most riding, because of the problem of the horse's greater inertia, the forces that the rider exerts on the horse are external to the systems of the horse. Accepting the simple fact gives birth to a whole training program that at its best can evolve into an art form and at its worst degenerates into sadism. In the early stages of training or controlling the horse, the horse must initially move himself. The rider could never physically move a horse who is standing still in a stable position no matter what gyrations they did on top of the horse. If you have ever tried to train a horse to jump into water when the horse didn't want to, you know how stable horses can become on the edge of the bank. The human can devise strong incentives for the horse to move, whether rewards or punishments, but when the horse is in a stable, balanced form, he has a superior physical advantage. So, in the early stages of training, we rely on signals, cues and associations that the horse recognises and differentiates between. Once in motion, good rider position will give the rider much more power by effectively using leverage in various forms. But still, the signals from the rider will be external, that is, away from outside the system of the horse. There really is no reason why the horse couldn't learn to do all ridden tasks from the voice or sound alone, with no touching. This would not be riding, but it would be more humane than some bad riding which is so confusing that it is amazing horses can figure it out. As a horse collects, a curious phenomenon begins to occur. The horse becomes more manoeuvrable but is less stable. In the Levard, the horse is quite beautifully balanced, but quite unstable. Easy to affect, easy to upset with either good or bad riding. The rider's influences and forces change from external suggestions outside the system of the horse to internal forces within the new system of horse and rider. The rider and horse become one system, one body. The clichés about becoming one with your horse actually have physical merit as you enter into the world of collection. Many riders have actually been in this place, usually when they have caused an accident, when they were leaning the wrong way when a horse tripped, or when a horse slipped on some bad footing. Very few riders go to this place on purpose. Yet this is the place where the cliché to be one with your horse becomes a biomechanical reality where science and art meet. So much of the classical dressage literature is dedicated to getting the rider to want to leave the utilitarian role of performing tricks, where cues and responses can be done from outside the system, and where the quality of your riding isn't important, and to enter instead into the system of balance and become an active and responsible partner in all kinds of movements. Constant advice like don't ride the bridle, stop twisting the neck, quiet hands, ride the hind end, all aims to help the rider toward artistic riding and away from the centuries of obsession with head and neck controls to coax the rider past the issue of dominance and submission. Who will dominate? Who will be submissive? 
The art of dressage has been to go beyond hand riding to seat riding. The pursuit of collection is the process that can enable this. Acknowledging the goal informs the practice. The better the balance and mastery of collection, the more maneuverable the horse becomes and the more responsive to the weight aids. It is obvious in this line of communication that the quality of your riding becomes extremely important. That is why, in the traditional classical riding instruction, many years of effort are necessary to learn the correct position which allows the rider to move the onus of direction towards the seat and weight aids with the hands and reins into a more auxiliary role. All the exercises in the sitting trot are the same for the rider as the scales are for the musician and class is for the dancer. Unless riders master their own balance and body, they will not be able to go to that level of dance. They are destined to stay at a certain level of displays of associative learning and never feel the freefall freedom of a creative process. Something happens almost intuitively out of a field of seemingly mundane technique. In this latter world, the rider feels as if their body is directly connected to the horse. This extract is taken from A Search for Collection, Science and Art in Riding by Paul Belasic and published by J. A. Allen in 2009. And on the subject of these extracts, I received an email from Brenda Nellums, who wrote and asked uh, if I could come up with a list of the classical horsemanship books. Of course, if you've been listening to these quotes, and clearly Brenda has, she said she loves those quotes and would like to have the books. Well, you may have noticed at the end of each extract, I do tell you which title that is from and the author and when and who published the title. So you can go back and keep your own record of those titles too. But if there was anything that particular that you had in mind, of course, on classical horsemanship, there are so many books out there. And a lot of them, of course, are not so easy to come by now. I was fortunate enough to begin my collection many years ago and uh, have some titles which are now quite hard to find. So if you're an avid book collector and have some of those lovely old horse books and would like to hear extracts from them then please send me an email or leave a posting on our facebook fan page too and uh, share in our conversation here about the books that we're going to be reading and any recommendations for titles too love to hear from you as always and if you do follow us on our facebook fan page you will know that i asked if you had any suggestions for our great partnership series and I did get quite a few, uh, which was a, a lot of fun to hear from you. So I'll be bringing you some of those in the very near future. So stay tuned for that. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. Don't forget, I always want to hear from young reporters around the world too. So don't forget to send me an email at chris at horseradionetwork.com. And don't forget to check out the new Equestrian Legends show. That's at equestrianlegends.com. Of course, it has a fan page on Facebook, as all of our shows do here on the Horse Radio Network. And remember, all our show notes are over at dressageradio.com. Well, I want to thank my guests and our sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show. And thank you, wherever you are in the world, for listening again. It's always great to have you keep me company here each week. I will be back, of course, at the same time, same place next week. So until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.